0: Hello and welcome to TechNATO with Don Pazette. I'm your host, Peter Van Rysdam, joined by Don
1: Pazette. Don, how's it going? It is going great, you know, jumping into the holiday season, so ready for our slightly irregular schedule coming up. But We've got some great podcasts these first couple of weeks, so let's get to it. And speaking of irregular
0: schedules, we've got uh, Wes Bryan filling in again for Daniel. Wes, how's it going?
2: Oh, it's going great. Thanks for having me here, guys. Yep, going to be fun.
0: Yeah, you're, uh, you're, you're, it's old hat for you now.
2: Yeah, that's right, that's right. Second time around? Yeah, Professional. piece of cake. I think, <laughs> I think
0: you were on the first ever episode. Yeah, back, I think uh, I was, too. And that's why I, I haven't been back for a while, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> your 180-episode your ban has uh, been lifted. Has been oh, right. Lifted. Very good. Very so good. good. Provisionally. Yeah. <laughs> and we are also joined by the CEO and co-founder of Cyberbit, Adi Dar. Adi, how you doing? Great. Did Thanks I get, for having me. I got the name right that time, right?
3: Yes. Yes, you're right. All right, <laughs> perfectly Completely right. <laughs>
0: I've been saying it wrong the whole time.
3: Well, uh, uh, you're...
0: Uh, You've got a great history, a great background. Uh, I was reading all your stuff on LinkedIn and going through your website, but I want to let the viewers and the listeners know a little bit more about you. So let's jump right in with our first segment, Rapid Fire Questions. Who do you
1: work for? What's
3: new? Who are you? What's happening? What's wrong with you?
1: I almost feel like we don't need this segment since Peter's done his cyber stalking. But uh, what yeah. we're gonna do <laughs> is our rapid fire question segment. So we've got a handful of questions we're gonna throw at you. You will have approximately one minute to answer each question. You'll see the timer up on your screen. If you go too long, Peter will break out the buzzer. Yeah. Uh, after one minute and seven seconds. Yeah. <laughs> I'm we'll always like looking the at the question. question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There it is. There it is. All right. So <laughs> so let's jump to our first question, Peter. What is it? So uh, cyber uh, Cyberbit does
0: cyber ranges, and I've I've played with those before. I've seen them at at trade shows and things. But for, for people that aren't familiar with that concept uh, and and that kind of model for training, can you explain that for people?
3: Yes, it, it's practically it's quite simple. It's you you can just compare it to a flight simulator. What we do is we enable a quite massive simulation of IT. Grade networks and on these IT grade networks, we enable cyber attacks that can really operate on these networks. And we also have, and that's the fun stuff, we also have a SOC, a simulated SOC. A SOC is a security operations center with all the fine tools that you will find in the SOC. And over there, the SOC professionals need to try to identify the attack on the enterprise grade network, mitigate the attack, and that's it. So if you want to compare it to again to a flight simulator, just imagine that we are providing the entire environment for the pilots, for the for the aircraft, and we are simulating for these SOC professionals the entire playground in which they can play, try to figure out a way to solve the problems that they are that they are seeing in front of their eyes, using the tools that they have that they use on a daily basis in the socks. And that's the cyber range.
2: Sure. Uh, Now, Addy, are these ranges, are are they there to teach people that are new to IT or is this to keep the cybersecurity pros uh, up to date on what's going on?
3: Both. So uh, I think uh, you asked, uh, this is a a, a great point. What we see today in the world is that there are two main issues with the SOC professionals. First of all, there are not enough SOC professionals And, and what we are trying to do or what some of our customers are trying to do using the range is really to to train and to, to let these new SOC professionals practice in a way that they can really become tier one, tier two and tier three SOC experts. And, and by using the range, that's practically the first time that they see a cyber attack happening in front of their eyes. That's the first time that they can really understand how to use a cyber tool. Cyber tool is not in, in order to identify, to detect and to mitigate these attacks. And that's what we do on the first phase. And then again, if If we take the the pilot's example, again, like a a great pilot, the pilot has to fly every couple of weeks on a simulator in order to keep his capabilities, in order to make sure that he's equipped to to work on on emergency situations. The same goes to professional cyber experts. They need to go through the simulator. They need to, to see new attacks. They need to try to understand, again, how to operate tools in a way that they will keep their capabilities on the highest level possible.
1: Now, while uh, Peter was leveraging his amazing cyber stalking skills, uh, we learned that you have a background in military intelligence, which I think is super cool. Uh, were you able to leverage that experience as part of creating the cyber bit ranges?
3: Yeah, I, I, think, I think there are a lot of similarities between intelligence and cyber. And today's, in today's world, cyber is practically the red side of the intelligence. And I think when you learn how to operate intelligence, you know how to solve cyber. And uh, as I said before, there are many, many uh, similarities that that can be and comparison levels that we can do when comparing between intelligence and cyber. In cyber, the same as in intelligence, you need to figure out a way to solve a puzzle. Not all of the puzzle pieces are there. Not all of the, not all, not everything is, is quite obvious. You need to figure out a way to connect the pieces. You need to figure out a way connect everything together and when you look at, at, at by the way cyber cyberbits logo you will see a, a globe with a lot of pieces and some missing pieces and, and that's really the connection between intelligence and cyber we 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 get partial a uh, partial partial image we get partial information pieces and the sock operator the sock specialist need to figure out a way to solve them together usually if he's trying to defend against a good hacker the hacker Will usually not give him all the all the signs we will not, will not solve it for him and he needs to figure out a way to take some hints to figure out from his experience from the tools that he has from the information pieces from the sensors that he has, has spread all around the all around the network he has to figure out how to build the, the, the entire picture and then how to tackle this attack and solve it asAP And that's again yeah. very similar to the way we do it in, in intelligence. That's the way we do it with the, in
0: the cyber world. So, one more question for you. Uh, I know you you mentioned flight simulators as, as an analogy for this. So, w- mm-hmm. when commercial pilots are doing a flight simulator, they're going to throw different warnings at them each time. It's not going to be the same thing that you're doing uh, time in and, and uh, again. So, what is that process like for you guys to keep keep these fresh? Are you uh, taking scenarios from the headlines and adding them in, or uh, how often do do these change? Exactly,
3: exactly. So, so our our main mission. First of all, I, we can compare it again. Let's take a Sony PlayStation. Okay, so there's the console. Okay, there's the system itself, and there's the content. We have two main uh, two main missions in life. The f- first one is to make sure that the console itself, the range itself, is 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 talked to. Will will provide the, the SOC analyst or the trainee in this case the experience that he has every day on his SOC, Okay, and that's one task which is not easy at all, but super important. The second task, which is, again, even more important, is, is our need to provide him with fresh content and, and hyper-realistic content. That means that when we what we want him to experience is the same exact uh, experience you will see when a ransomware or a philist attack or a Trojan will hit him in the head in the sock. And, and, and that's what we are doing. We are taking real life attacks. We are taking real life scenarios. We are reversing them. We have a, a, a group a, in our R&D team, which is 100% of their time they are focusing on reversing real life attacks. Our goal is to try to shorten the time between the attack happens till the time that we provide our customers with a reversed attack to the minimum. Okay, And that's and that's and, and that's what we're trying we are trying to provide them with the ability to train on real- life attacks as soon as possible so they will be ready when these attacks hopefully not but if these attacks will uh, if they will need to face these attacks in the stocks okay and we our our goal is to try to provide them as many of these attacks as many of these scenarios as you call them as many of these uh, uh, building blocks of these cyber building blocks Ready for them to train on, in, in, as as soon as possible, as immediately as
0: possible. That makes sense. I, and, and you just gave me a billion-dollar idea, um, but uh, but I'll let you share it. You, you mentioned the the PlayStation. If you made a PlayStation game that you could physically <laughs> play on the PlayStation, we would not have a problem with uh, training new IT people. We would have <laughs> millions <laughs> of twelve-year-old uh, uh, cybersecurity experts. But I will tell you,
3: I, I will tell you that the, the reaction when when you bring stock analysts let's call it to play or to exercise or to train in our range, the reaction that you will get from them is very similar to the reaction that I will get from my 12-year-old kid <laughs> which is just uh, uh, in the room beside me right now playing a Sony PlayStation. If I will bring him a new, a, a, new, a new new, content, a new game, you will see the same reaction. Okay, You see them amazed, you see them enjoying themselves, you see them... For the first time in their life in many cases see a quite a complex attack usually you know we tend to think that cyber experts see numerous attacks every day that's not the case in most of the cases they go through very uh, simple uh, we call it uh, cyber hygiene okay that's what they do most of the time it's very rare for them to see a real attack and it's very it's even more rare for them to see a very complicated attack and uh, mm-hmm. it so happens that if they don't train if they don't see these attacks on the ranges the first time they will experience this attack it's when they are usually at 12 a.m uh, at night when they are almost alone in the sock, and then they see something very suspicious very unique that they've never seen and never tackled before and that's not going to be fun and what we are trying to do is trying to let them practice on that ahead of time. Again, if we go to the Sony PlayStation example or to the pilot the commercial pilot example, okay, they need to simulate a situation, they need to practice practice it 50 times before you will go on a plane with them. Uh, and, and and it's surprising to see that as simple as it makes as it sounds, okay, and we do that every time when you go on a on a plane, we, we never think twice. If we go on a that the pilot has gone through simulators, when it comes to cyber, it's not the case, okay? Most of the cyber experts have never ever experienced such attacks and that's something that needs to be solved and changed in the in the very near future.
0: Well, speaking of training, uh I think that that leads well into our next segment where uh you actually shared an article with us and we wanted to to talk about it a little bit, but it confused us a little bit to be honest and so we decided to make a new segment for this one and this segment is called that makes no sense. <laughs>
3: uh, it makes no sense. Uh, it makes no, uh, make no sense. What you talking about Willis?
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know what we're talking about. So uh, this article that you shared is from InfoSecurity Magazine, uh, and the headline is COVID-19 and cybersecurity staffing shortages. And and Don, you, you expressed it well to me earlier, yeah. if you want to kind of explain what the confusion was.
1: You know, one of the big challenges, one, one of the reasons we have a cybersecurity uh, staffing shortage is really uh, just availability of the talent pool. You know, if you are in New York or if you are in L.A., security professionals are, are pretty readily available. Uh, But when you start getting into other cities that are less populous or that are not tech cities, then, yeah, it becomes hard to find those people and and to be able to pay the amounts it takes to get them to move out. So I kind of figured that COVID-19, with people working from home and embracing that remote work model, it seems like it would open up the hiring pool, that if I wanted to hire a cybersecurity professional— what do I care what city they're in? They could be anywhere and and be able to provide that role for me, remote in and, and do the work. So I, I figured the pandemic would actually be helping things, but that's not really what the article is saying. So Adi, what are you seeing out there?
3: Okay, so even before COVID, and I think that's the major point, even before COVID, we have seen a huge shortage. In manpower, in professional SOC manpower, okay, and, and we we see that not only in the U.S., we see that all over, and we see that not only in one state in the U.S., we see that in all all over the all of the states, in 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 huge cities, in small cities, and and, and the reason for that is that this is quite a, quite a new profession. Everybody is, is is either regulated in a way that they have to open a SOC, or. Required to do that because they are under massive attacks, and and, and the number of SOC professionals is in the rise, you know exponentially, and there's not there's there are not enough professionals, and uh, that happened way way before COVID, and that was the main uh, and and I think that's main one of the main challenges that the entire industry is facing. It's not because of cyberbit, and it's not that cyberbit has been the first one to, to to, to see that. We, we we really see that all over, and there are many ways to try to solve that. We have seen the cyber industry trying to go into a massive amount of automation and a lot of tech uh, companies have invested in that in order to try to automate the processes in processing the stock. But by the end of the day, what we need more than everything, and, and we also see that in the higher education industry in the, in the, in the US, we need to take smart, young, uh, uh, potential students, Okay, and turn them into stock operators. By the way, not only the youngest students, we, we, we see a trend which taking veterans, taking uh, people uh, that has gone through different professions, but by the end of the day, everyone is moving into one direction and that's turning them into highly qualified stock operators. And, and by the way, that, that's for the interest of both sides. I think that what we see today is that uh, these professions are, are quite uh, nicely paid everybody wants to go in the direction and we begin to see this shortage on the one hand we see more people uh, that are qualified on the other hand we see the demand uh, growth uh, 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 quite uh, grows quite massively and these two and these two trends are are, i know they're contradicting and, and that's probably one of the one of the reasons for your question but by the end of the day they will continue with us for the for the near future probably even for a couple of years what we have seen in, in during covid-19 is that uh, and, and again I, i'm not uh, I'm, I'm it's not a big surprise and probably you have heard it a couple of times but we have seen in the last uh, 6 to 9 months massive growth in the number of attacks okay especially with ransomware but not only we have seen many variants variants on ransomware many, many variants of different uh, cyber attacks happening all over on very large-scale organizations, but also on on what we call SMBs, small and medium-sized businesses, and all of them are getting hit. And that, of course, derives also quite massive growth in the number of SOC professionals that that are needed in the industry, both for the organizations themselves. So every enterprise right now wants, needs, is required to have a SOC, but also in in the industry, what we call the MSSP, the service providers, okay, which are providing outsourcing services to multiple, multiple enterprises, which did not really establish their own stocks, and so anyway, it doesn't matter from which angle you look at it. By the end of the day, we need all of us need more people in the stocks, and in order to achieve that, okay, we need to train more, uh, more, more professionals to become experts and more uh, more new team members that need to require, need need to add their capabilities and become SOC one analysts or SOC tier one analysts.
1: You know, something occurred to me, which uh, we've been talking about, uh, like uh, platforms like your cyber ranges where people can actually learn practical hands-on skills, right, to, to become the, the professionals we need to hire, but we could probably leverages this technology for the flip side like if i'm if i'm an hr director and i'm trying to hire a cybersecurity professional how do i actually know that they're good at their trade could could we leverage things like cyber ranges to vet employees to like test them to make sure that they yeah. are qualified
3: yes we do and and this is a new use case which is called candidate assessment and and you are right to the point i think that that's a new trend which we see uh, increasing drastically in the last uh, in the last months, and, and the idea is again, just imagine that you are a stock manager and you need to hire. You know, it's very easy for everyone to come into into uh, the interview and say, okay, I'm I'm very expert, I, I'm I'm highly expert, I I know everything, I've seen everything, I know how to operate this tool, I've done that, I know that. And by the end of the day, after you hire them, okay, you see that they are by far less experienced than what they claim to be. And the, what the range can enable you is to really uh, provide or do what we call a candidate assessment. And that's really face them with one, two or three scenarios, real life scenarios, which probably in most cases they need They need to know how to operate and just give them an hour or two or three to try to solve the issues, to solve the problems, okay? And and as we what, what we do in the range is also enable automatic assessment and then we score them and then the HR or the stock manager or the chief manager, when they come in and and really interview the the potential candidate, they get the real score of what his capabilities are, does he know how to operate a a, a specific tool, okay? For example, let's take a Splunk or a curator or a firewall, okay? Does he know his way with these tools? And then life becomes much easier because as you said before, these are very practical professions And it's either you know how to operate these tools, you know how to tackle an attack, or you don't know how to do it. That makes and a lot that's of sense. Very, very easy to
0: examine. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And and but when Don, when you said let's let's look at it from the other side, I, I thought you meant let's use this to train the hackers as well. Um, <laughs> but I feel like they're doing fine. Uh, for some some reason, they're not having problems with training during COVID, and uh, and they're staying busy. But uh, you know, Adi, before I let you go, I, I wanted to ask you. You mentioned we've got something uh, coming up uh, with you guys an, an international cyber uh, championship. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
3: Yes, yeah, so this this is I think a fascinating event that we are going to we are going to begin early January in twenty twenty one. And what we are doing over there, we are inviting SOC teams from all over the US to join us for a league, a cyber league, in which we are going to give them uh, specific scenarios which we believe are more interesting uh, to solve. We we will give them some specific and specific uh, uh, hands-on experience events that we want them to solve. And we will see, we will build that. We are building some sort of a league. And by the end of the day, there's going to be semifinals and finals and there's going to be the great winner, the great SOC team winner. And hopefully we'll know who's the best SOC team in the US very, very soon. We hope that it's going to be finalized by March and we invite everyone to join us for that.
0: So how would someone that's listening and and interested in that, how would they go about uh, getting in there?
3: Great. So they, they can get, of course, into our website and everything is, is there and uh, they can register and we'll be more than happy to invite everyone to join us in the next couple of months. And you can invite me in March to see who's the winner.
0: That'd be cool. Yeah, we we should put a team together, guys. I mean, yes, not, I not me. You, no. I think you said it. <laughs> uh, yeah, but so head over to uh, cyberbit.com and you can uh, find out all the information about that and and about uh, cyberbit as well and and uh, the cyber uh, ranges to to test out your skills or uh, as we heard, if you're on the HR side as well and and want to find a way to kind of uh, weed out uh, the the great talent. The, this is a, a great way to do that as well. So uh, cyberbit.com is where you want to head for that. Uh, Adi, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. We appreciate
3: it. It, it was my pleasure. Thank you guys. Thank you very much.
0: Yeah, and we'll reach back out and find out uh, how the event went after the fact. But uh, stay tuned, everybody. We've, we're going to take a quick break, and then we've got more TechNative with Don Pozziet coming up right after this.
1: Do you know what's better than being an IT Pro TV member? Being a member for free. Hi, I'm Don Pozziet, co-founder and edutainer here at IT Pro TV. Once you sign up for an TV personal membership subscription, you'll automatically be part of our referral program. Then all you have to do is share your personal referral link and code with your friends and colleagues. Every time one signs up, you get money off your subscription. Sign up enough and your membership is free. That's right, access to all your favorite IT training, totally free. Kind of feels like stealing, doesn't it? Check out the link below to learn how to get your code and start sharing today.
0: All right, welcome back to TechNado with Don Pazette and thank you to Adidar from Cyberbit for joining us. And uh, those cyber ranges just sound pretty cool. I'd love to love to try one of those out one day, but I, w- I would probably just find a way to let that get hacked. And
1: I was about to say, so you
0: could just feel the sense of failure? Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to know what it feels like to work at Equifax. So
2: oh, good point. Touche. Yeah. There's, <laughs> yeah, there's a, lot of, a lot of professionals failing, too, so it's, it's all right. But we've got a
0: lot of news to get to today, and let's jump into our first article, which is from The TheVerge.com. Microsoft Teams gets an overhauled calling interface, CarPlay support, and more. And Microsoft Teams will soon let you transfer calls between uh, a desktop and mobile, which is neat. But... Is this is part of this the uh, I can't remember what it's called now the interface where you're all like sitting in in chairs in the video because that I've seen that in a couple of commercials and we tried that in one meeting and that was so fun
1: yeah it's uh well so it's technically separate mode. features okay. yeah come together mode um but it, it is part of a giant program Microsoft has put out since the pandemic started like they have just been advancing Microsoft Teams by leaps and bounds every month new features come out so these are some pretty cool ones. The Microsoft uh, Cloud PBX, it's not really called Cloud PBX anymore, but it was Skype for Business at one point, and now it's just part of Microsoft's 365 calling features, it has been around for a while. But more and more people are adopting it and actually making real phone calls or receiving phone calls through Teams. So Microsoft is is overhauling their call interface, and it's really slick. You can see all your voicemails, your missed calls, you've got your dial pad. It's all right there inside of the Teams app. And that is for the desktop as well as for the cell phone uh, apps as well as for the web-based version of Teams. So, really cool stuff. Most of that's going to be rolling out in January, so it's not out quite yet. Uh, but they're also adding CarPlay support. So, if you have an iPhone, uh, which I, I use an iPhone, and I have participated in Teams meetings in the car. Now not not video Teams meetings, right? <laughs> you know, just just audio. But it is kind of frustrating that you can't do things like raise your hand in the meeting without having to get your phone, which is against the law in, in many states. So having that up on your dash where you can just click a raise your hand button while you're driving is kind of a nice thing to do. And it's uh, you know it's another example of how Microsoft is really making Teams an amazing productivity suite.
0: Yeah, that'll be cool to see the features that are in that because I know I've used Zoom in the car before and they've got, they've got CarPlay support, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I'll be curious how many of those features in in Teams uh, are translated over there. So that'll be that'll be cool to see and uh, And that's yeah.
2: interesting being able to use Siri on Teams. I mean even though it's not fully baked for Android uh, being able yeah. to say hey Siri, dial my next meeting.
0: I need to get yeah. Alexa involved then and just have all these companies talking <laughs> to each other at that
1: Maybe point. Maybe we
2: could have a celebrity death match at the end too.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. What well, yeah. I, I hear Siri, if you take first, a
1: right. uh, like an Apple HomePod and put it next to an Amazon Echo and tie it to your Outlook account, like they just do the work for you. Oh, perfect! <laughs> it just works. <laughs> oh,
0: perfect. Um, yeah, well, that that's neat. And and uh, Wes, you were in that meeting when we did the together mode. Oh, right? that was yeah, that was fun. we we're, <laughs> yeah. were having so much fun because you could like lean forward, and all of a sudden you're you would get really big, and so it would try to make you small. And then if you lean back, you're like this little teeny person next to all these big people. It, we have no idea what actually happened in the meeting. No, no, we say. weren't focused
2: on the meeting. I was just focused on trying to look like the uh, guy uh, in Beetlejuice with the little head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We were giving rap <laughs> ears. Was, yeah, to, that's to right. People. <laughs> yeah.
0: No. You're. you're and what well, kind of shows you the cool ways that they can, um, you know, that that there'll be new advancements. I'm sure, and other yeah. ways you can interact on these. So yeah, look forward to that. And Don, I think you mentioned it's not rolled out yet in the in the CarPlay, but probably right. coming pretty soon in, a, in an update. It, it should all be launching in January. Yep. All right, keep an eye out for that, and keep your hands on the wheel and eyes on the road. All right, our next article is from TechCrunch.com. All right, this is the fun one. AWS goes after Microsoft SQL Server with Babelfish for Aurora PostgreSQL.
1: Whoa, he perfect. Did it. Wow. Nailed it. <laughs> nice. Now, I don't know what any of that meant. <laughs> Sometimes I seek out articles because I know it's important tech news. (laughs) Sometimes I seek out articles because I know Peter will have a hard time reading them. This was a double whammy. (laughs) (laughs) This this was was the one time that I remembered to ask you ahead of time, because otherwise I would uh,
0: babble something about Portuguese QL. Something like that, yes. I think that's what it
1: is. So, uh, you know, relational databases are a key piece of technology that is used in most businesses, and many people have on-premises relational databases. Microsoft SQL Server is very big in that space. Oracle's, uh, uh, what is it, 10i or whatever they're up to now, uh, is another relational database that's out there. There's MySQL, MariaDB. PostgreSQL, right? These are all relational databases. But Microsoft has always historically made a really big push for on-prem servers, and they've, they've done well in that space. Well, with Amazon, they are very proud of their Aurora database, and they originally built Aurora off of Maria and MySQL, but now they've added support for Postgres, That's been around for a little while. And they've introduced a new feature. This feature is called Babelfish. And what it does is it allows you to talk to an Aurora PostgreSQL server using the Transact SQL language. Transact SQL is Microsoft's variant of SQL that they use in Microsoft SQL Server. So if you have applications that are designed to talk to a Microsoft SQL Server, you can point them at Aurora's Babelfish and they can talk the same language they normally do. You don't have to update your app. You just point it to a new server. They actually think that they're connected to a Microsoft SQL Server. But on the back end, it's an Amazon Aurora PostgreSQL server. And PostgreSQL is open source, which means it is significantly lower cost. I mean, this is these are shots fired across the bow of Microsoft server product. And it's going to be hard for companies to look at this and say, why would I keep paying so much for Microsoft SQL server when I could use Aurora and have three availability zones of redundancy and all this amazing backup windows and performance is all handled by Amazon? Why would I run that myself? Sure, Don, you know, you've been working, I know, with SQL Server for a great many years. Do you believe the
2: fact that they're open sourcing or potentially open sourcing the tool to make it kind of maybe disappear into the background, SQL specifically? You know,
1: they've talked about it a little bit, and there's certain pieces that are kind of open sourced. You know, they they did release Microsoft SQL Server that could run in a Docker container. You can run Microsoft SQL Server on top of Linux now, Mm -hmm. but it still requires a license. Mm -hmm. And they have the Express version where I think you get... I don't know, like a million rows for free or something. But once you exceed that, you've got to pay licenses, and their licensing is still done on a per CPU basis, which does not really carry over to the cloud very well. Sure. So it's expensive, but a lot of people love it. It's pretty easy to use. It's it's a, a product that's been around a long time. I think we're going to see a shift to other things in the in the future. It's kind of already happening.
0: Yeah, I'm curious to see if Microsoft has has a response that they, you know, do move to open source or um, something in the next next few months as an answer to this because yeah that's i mean that's still a big money maker for them i would think oh it's huge yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. i mean huge 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 massive (laughs) everyone's saying it all right uh, let's move to our next article over at inc.com salesforce is spending 27.7 billion dollars to buy slack mark benioff says it's all about these two simple factors which i can assume are gifts (laughs)
1: And gifts. You know, I I have made fun of Slack because it doesn't, they they should have been the one to capitalize off of the pandemic the most, right? They're the Silicon Valley Darlings. It's a chat and communications platform. They really should have killed it. And they didn't. Lots of missed opportunity Mm -hmm. there. I don't know what happened. Maybe it was bad leadership. Maybe there's other market factors I'm not aware of. But they just didn't. Instead, Zoom became the darling. And then Microsoft Teams has been eating Slack's lunch left and right for the last six months. Well... To me, that makes Slack a kind of a, a, a setting sun, mm-hmm. right? But apparently, the the one feature they do have that Peter is always quick to point out <laughs> is you can do custom emojis in Slack. I had no idea the custom emojis were worth twenty seven billion dollars. Point seven, yeah. Uh, so Mark Benioff he said uh, it, it's two factors. Factor one is uh, that it is one of the most beloved platforms in enterprise software history. Hmm. So that means that people really love Slack. Now I. Don't think that's necessarily true, because I don't like Slack, and I know there's a lot of other people who don't. It's not really the most user-friendly thing out there. Uh, But then the other thing is they have an incredible ecosystem around it, and that's absolutely true. There are a ton of third-party software platforms that integrate with Slack, and that makes it easy for people to roll out. So, they see value in it, and so Salesforce is going to integrate it. Salesforce is pretty expensive itself, so I'm curious to see what happens with Slack. Since we use Salesforce, can we get Slack back now? No. (laughs) <laughs> but if, it, if it's part of it. That's not well, happening. No, it, so it's, it's a good question. Let, let's tackle this. So let's say you're a company okay. and you're using Salesforce and you've got Microsoft 365, right? Now with Salesforce, you pay a per seat license. So you probably have one license for every salesperson. But what about mm. non-salespeople? Yeah. Do they have Salesforce logins? Like, does your marketing team have a Salesforce login? Maybe some of them. Maybe if you use Pardot or, yeah. or whatever, uh, does your uh, mailroom clerk have a Salesforce login? Probably not. No, and you're not going to pay for a license for them, right? It's expensive. But everybody would have a Microsoft 365 license. So you've effectively got Microsoft Teams for free, or you can go and pay for Slack. And so that's an easy decision for company, companies to make, unless they're just not... A Microsoft 365 shop, right? So if you don't have that, then yeah. maybe
2: it does make sense. So if you're already swimming in the ecosystem, yeah. jump on it. If not, maybe look into it.
1: You know that saying, 80% of the people only use 20% of the features? Sure. It's It's a made-up stat, but it's pretty much true. And so, you know, companies need to look at the software they've already got and say, can I provide this functionality? And the odds are the answer is yes.
0: All right. Well, now we, we know the price of custom emojis
1: uh, <laughs> twenty seven billion dollars, and, 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 and Giphy integration. <laughs> That's very important. So, congratulations. Unfiltered to them. Giphy's, right? Because uh, Teams is filtered.
0: You, you can set filters on, uh, on Giphy. In, in Slack. Oh, they're just off by default? Yeah. Because I've seen some pretty it's nasty so you, stuff.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then you realize they're off and go, oh, God.
3: I, I was
1: uh, doing the podcast with Paul Security Weekly. I actually went up there to film, and uh, uh, the joke they were telling me was do a search for Giphy, look for Alaskan Pipeline. And I'll just warn our listeners out there, don't do not do that. <laughs> yeah. I should have said that ahead of time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and send your letters to Don at yep. TechNate.do. Oh, that's right. <laughs>
0: All right. Our, our next article is from ZDNet.com. Docker malware is now common, so devs need to take Docker security seriously. And we actually talked last week about do devs take uh, security seriously and uh, the misnomer that they don't and maybe that they do more than we thought, but uh, now another thing for them to look out for. So uh, how how is the
1: malware getting into Docker? All right, so uh, going into this article, I assumed they were talking about the fact that there had been a couple of container images that had malware prepackaged in them that were then uploaded to Docker Hub. And so when you went to download the image, it was already infected. I thought that's what they were talking about. But it turns out they're not, that uh, it looks like many, many developers are deploying Docker and not securing the management API. And so if they bring up a Docker server in AWS or Azure or Google Cloud, that they're bringing it up and exposing the management API to the internet, and the management API doesn't have a password by default. No authentication at all? No. I mean, sort of. The, the authentication mechanism is there. It just doesn't yeah, ask do- for anything. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so is, that, is that Docker's fault then for not
0: putting a, a password on there by default?
1: So I'm going to say no. I, I think that... You know, when, when somebody is operating in a DevOps role, the idea is that you're able to do development and operations. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's out of the realm of expectation to expect you to set a password on something you deploy. So I have a hard time blaming Docker, but a lot of people out there do blame Docker. Yes, like, hey, when you install, it should make you pick a password right then. And they could handhold like that. But I just feel like if you're a professional that's working in this space, you should know to do that. That's pretty basic.
2: Uh, Would you say that it's also maybe uh, to the prevalence of Docker and then, you know, with the increased usage of it, uh, you have the increased likelihood of like orphans containers out there that maybe people are using and don't even decommission?
1: Yeah, that happens. You get Mm. containers left behind. People people assume that if it's in a container, it's safe, Mm. right? Containers are little walled off pockets of information that run on top of a system. And that's not always true. But what is true is if the container gets hacked, it is you know the hack is held to that one container. That's nice. But when you're talking about the management API, that's not even a container at that point. That's underneath. Now you're able to access the docker process that's running on the host. And one saving grace that, that we have is that many people aren't really using the true Docker API anymore. They've moved over to container D or they're using Kubernetes or other systems to manage their containers. So that API isn't there. But if you're using the actual Docker enterprise product, that's when you you run the risk of this happening. And... You know, it, it's just an area where education is the solution. We need to teach people secure the stuff you deploy.
2: Sure, and it seems like uh, now we've got the same thing, you know, had, had the problem with uh, VM escaping. Now we're talking about oh, container yeah. escaping almost in a
1: way. Yeah. And, and container escaping is something that's possible. Sure, if You can misconfigure it easy enough. Sure, and then you can pivot and wherever you can go from there.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speaking of education, I, I need you, Don, to do one of those versus uh, videos that you do on Kubernetes versus Docker because uh, I, I get confused there a lot on on containers and uh, and where Kubernetes fits in because I thought they were com- competitors at first and, and then they they work together.
1: Well, yeah so um, and you know, we, we can certainly talk about this later, but uh, Docker and Kubernetes really aren't comparable products. They do two different things, right So Docker it allows you to run containers and build containers. Kubernetes deploys and manages containers. So uh, with Docker, they created a product called Docker Swarm. And Swarm was designed to manage containers and deploy containers. Kubernetes competed with Swarm. And it was so effective and it got adopted so readily because Google was backing Kubernetes that I don't know anybody who runs Docker Swarm in production but plenty of people use Docker containers with Kubernetes.
0: That makes sense. All right, you don't have to do the video anymore. Thank you. It's a
1: good, <laughs> good question, though. It, it does come up. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: We'll just cut that segment there and add that in. <laughs> there you go, onto YouTube. <laughs> it's, it's a new series. All right, our next and final article is from RsTechnica.com. iPhone zero-click Wi-Fi exploit is one of the most breathtaking hacks ever. I've, n- I've never heard a hack called breathtaking. Well, they're but, glorifying this one.
1: But something that you, involves zero clicks, that. That sound pretty amazing how does that work all right so this one is really really bad all right and that's what's breathtaking about it like a lot of us think of the apple devices the ios devices like an ipad an iphone as being some of the most secure personal commercial devices available on the market you know as as a regular user if i walk into best buy to buy some equipment the apple mobile devices not not apple mac os right i'm talking about ios devices are pretty much the most secure. They're encrypted by default. They only run signed applications. They you know, they have all these amazing protections built into them. It's as secure as they can get. Well, this attack is devastating. Mm. That an attacker could be sitting on their laptop in Starbucks or even outside of Starbucks. And anybody who walks by close enough to get a Wi-Fi signal. Now, Wi-Fi can reach an ad hoc. Wi-Fi network can easily reach 100 feet, even more, passing through walls. So you don't mm. even necessarily like to see the attacker. There is an attack in um, one of Apple's wireless uh, protocols called AWDL. Mm-hmm. It's what powers um, uh, what's it called, AirDrop. Yeah, it's you... the wireless uh, direct link. Yes, Apple oh, there we wireless go. direct link. Yeah. Yep. So there's a, a buffer overflow in it, mm-hmm. and they found where if as soon as they could see a device, they didn't have to authenticate, they didn't have to talk to anybody, they didn't have to know anything about the device, they would just see it appear on the wireless network. They could trigger this buffer overflow and then begin issuing commands through it because AWL is tied into kernel into the kernel so it was running in kernel space so then they could do whatever they wanted they could grab photos off of the device they could grab chat logs they could generate chat messages they could take camera pictures they could turn on the the microphone Because they were in kernel space, they had full access to the system, and they could do it entirely without touching the device, without seeing the device, and without even unlocking the device. This is as bad as it gets. So, I I try not to ever create, like, a a false sense of urgency. Hysteria, yeah. Doom and gloom, sure. But when they say breathtaking, they mean it this time. Like, this is bad. Mm -hmm. now. Fortunately, the person who discovered it is part of Google's Project Zero team and had a lot of resources at his disposal. He did responsible disclosure to Apple. They've already patched it. It's already been sent out. So as long as you're doing your iOS updates, you are already protected. Uh, If you're somebody who's been dodging iOS updates for whatever reason... Now is not the time to do that. So you want to make sure that you've applied your updates and you'll be fine. But this is a, a devastating attack. Yeah, and it's one of the things they're saying, that they patched the vulnerability
2: before the launch of the uh, iOS uh, 13.5 update in May,
0: okay. I believe. And, and kudos to um, to the researcher, uh, Ian Ian Beer. I love the last name. But, <laughs> no. uh, you know, they're a competitor. I mean, Google, uh, they're behind Android. And so, you know, this could very easily have, have gone, uh, gone bad very quickly. But... Um, you know, corporate responsibility there wins out, and uh, and that's definitely uh, good. But it's hard to read this article because it keeps saying beer said this, beer said that. <laughs> beer tells me to do things all the time, yeah, and I was right. told Absolutely. to ignore <laughs> that. <laughs> Nobody reports on it. Well, maybe police yeah. report. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah.
0: Well, so I don't have to throw my phone away. Because nope. at the beginning of, when you started talking, I was getting ready to try to break it in half. I think I'm probably too weak. I know – what were the phones that could bend? There was, there was a – I don't know. It was like the 6 or the 7 or – was there so yeah that like it was bending in people's pockets after
1: it first came out oh yeah when the the first max phones came out the the really large ones yeah gate. yeah so
0: yeah i couldn't bend my phone Have <laughs> no. oh, you enjoying the mini you have the mini now right
1: yeah I, I did i got the iphone mini and uh and it's great you know there were people complaining about battery life and uh i have not had that problem uh there were reports of like um the lock screen, not being sensitive to touch, being hard to unlock. I did have that problem, and they patched it one mm-hmm. day later. So they've been really good about it. Yeah, I mean, for a lady's phone, it looks it looks nice. <laughs> I'm secure enough in my manhood that I can use a small phone. <laughs> 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 All right. And it wh- makes my hands look bigger. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow, that is huge.
0: Uh, all right, I wanna let you know about a couple of things going on over at IT Pro T V. First of all, we're wrapping up the twelve days of IT, which was twelve unboxing videos of great tech gadgets, uh, and, you know, things that you could use as as gift ideas for the holiday season and then we're giving those 12 things away but there's still time uh, to register if you're hearing this podcast right when it comes out uh, on Friday, December 11th uh, that is when we're going to do a YouTube Live where we announce the winners of all 12 items uh, so head over to itpro.tv slash 12 days where you can register still to win those fabulous prizes and join us on the YouTube Live uh, to see if you are a winner so check that out um, also got a webinar that's coming out today but don't worry if you're missing it uh, we will have it archived as well but it's how to make vSphere 7.0 work for you upgrade to the latest release from VMware and that's uh, with our good friend Adam Gordon and that's taking place Thursday December 10th at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and you can register for that at itpro.tv slash webinars that's the same link you'll go to if you want to see the archived version of that and all the other archived webinars we have as well And finally, while you're on the internet, head over to go.itpro.tv slash technado, where you can get a 30% off coupon code for the lifetime of your personal subscription. You can also request uh, a team demo and see all the great features available to teams through ITProTV. That's at go.itpro.tv slash technado. Well, thank you, uh, thank you again, Wes, for uh, for jumping in. We appreciate uh, your your input. Yeah, and, absolutely.
2: And, I'll see you in another hundred and eighty days when the second prohibition. Yeah, fits. <laughs> uh, weeks. <laughs> weeks, weeks. Yeah. Oh, day Okay. Yeah, gotcha. one, one episode per week and. All right. No, yeah. it's, it's in all seriousness. It's been fun. Thanks, guys, for having me here.
0: All right. Just because of that, we'll have you on next week. <laughs> okay. Perfect. That that sounds great. I've decided. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Don, as well, and thank you to Adidar for joining us from Cyberbit and uh, and check them out and and uh, play around in the range there and. Join the contest and see if you can beat me. Spoiler alert, you can. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> All right, we'll see you guys next week right here on TechNado with Don Pizzette.